last week was just amazing. Uh, uh, it, it was a great time of celebration, but Pastor Jeff also taught a message on how grandparents can influence the next generation, and we are better together because of them, as well as, you know, parents can take those lessons, and young people can take those lessons and apply them as they grow up and begin families. It was such a wonderful time together, and today I get to share with you guys on serving together. That's what I want to talk to you about today, is serving together, and I'll get right into it. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2, verse 2, Agree with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. With one heart and purpose. That is a group of people coming together in community, getting stuff done on mission. That's what that is. And, uh, you know, here at SEC, serving together is what we do. Like you see us, we go out into the community. We have serve events here on campus. Um, We've even had a few kind of opportunities for people who are joining online to serve and get involved in, in other kind of ways as well. And, you know, but, but we talk about a lot about what we do, but I want to share with you a little bit about why we do it. Because I feel like why, you know, what we do is get in the car and drive, but the why is the gasoline that fuels that, that journey. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a reason for what you are doing. So I want to give you three quick reasons uh, of three quick we- reasons why we serve together. Number one, if you'll write this down, is we're family. We're family. One person agreed with that, but we are family. Listen, I preach way better when you talk back to me, I promise. I know me well enough to know that if you don't talk back to me, there's no telling where this might go. So I also preach faster when you talk back to me. So, all right. I'm going to have to write that down. Pastor Jeff might need that one day. All right. So here's the cool thing. I learned this from my friend Danny Dorsey, and uh, he's actually in this service. I learned this from him years ago, and it was kind of a hard lesson that I learned at the time. But, you know, your church family is the one family that you get to choose. Some of us might have that one family member that we're like, if I could have chosen, you know, Uncle Phil might not have made the cut. You know what I mean? He's the guy that shows up to the potluck and don't bring nothing. You know what I mean? Listen, if you don't have that family member, you might be the family member. So I just, I just, I just want to encourage you. But 1 Corinthians 3 and 9 says this. We work together as partners who belong to God. Now, I like that word partners, but a lot of translations will take uh, the literal Greek on that. And instead of partners, it says co-workers. Like we work together. You know, we serve together because we're a family. And, you know, it's kind of neat because if you're in the family of God and you're part of a local body of believers and a local church, you know, you're the church. The building is the building, right? Like, you guys get that? Like, you are the church. And that means that when you come and you serve, you're serving in the family business. That's what we do. This is a family business. We are the family of God. Number two, if you'll write this down, we need each other. We need each other. You know, I, I, I can't help, but, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. First, I want to share with you what Paul said in Romans 12 and 5. A lot of the Apostle Paul did that, y'all. Uh, in the message translation, he says, Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of Christ's body, but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? 
that's kind of gruesome. That's a gruesome way of saying that we're all part of one body and all parts need one another. Um, I, I wish I could say I, I could find an easier-to-stomach translation, but honestly, I felt like that best conveyed. You know, it, you think about it, and let's say you have all your body parts, and you go for a walk one day, and all of a sudden, one of your feet just disappears. You better hope you're close to home because you're crawling back, right? All of the parts need one another. I'm going to give you guys an example. She's in this service, and I'm not going to specifically point her out, but we have a leader in our church who leads in both small groups and, uh, and our First Impressions greeter team and her, by the name of Amber Norman. Now, I did not ask Amber's permission to tell you that it's her birthday week, but if you do see her after service, please tell her happy birthday. Um, we're so grateful for her, but I can't help but think of all of the people that her small group ministry has touched, that her, literally, if you have ever walked through the doors, her greeting team ministry has touched you. Every single person who walked in a door somewhere, one of the teams that she leads has, you know, maybe you're not a handshaker, they gave you a fist bump. Whatever, however it worked, they've touched you either verbally or physically. And all parts need one another. We need one another. Number three... Number three is this, we get more done. We get more done. See, I use very simple words for today's outline. I was told not too long ago that some of the words I used were a little wordy, so I try to kill with short bullets for you guys. But uh, 1 Corinthians 3.8, the Apostle Paul writes, the one who plants and the one who waters work as a team for the same purpose. Now, I love this. This is like a farming metaphor, right? Like, that's like a backyard garden, though. Like, if it's a husband and wife, and one of them does this, and one of them does that, they can grow some tomatoes, right? But if you want to open up a massive farming business, you need a lot more body parts, right? Well, I would say that what we are doing by trying to change our community takes a little bit more than two hands. And if we want to get more done, you need more hands. You know, and listen, if you've ever served at Serve Saturday, you know that we got a lot of hands. Like, just go to the food pantry on a Serve Saturday, and you will see so many hands. I, I can't tell you, you know, Serve Saturday is one of the absolute favorite things that we do. It's, it's, I love it. I love going up on the square and praying with people. Um, I love going to the food pantry. Uh, I just enjoy serving with you guys. Like, that's my favorite part, especially if it's something that I can do with my wife, Jessica, and my son, Christian. I just love those things. But the thing is, Surf Saturday happens once a month. And sometimes I feel like we check that box and we go out and we do it, and then we're like, no, I'm good. I'll see you all next month. I'm the only one that thinks that. <laughs> all right. I'm the only one that thinks that. But, but here's the thing. Our impact team. Those teams like I was highlighting a moment ago with Amber, our small group leaders, our nursery or Kids Place Junior, our Kids Place, all of the people who serve here at SEC from our first impressions uh, to our last impressions, if you will, all of those people serve as part of the impact team. And what I have learned and what I have come to understand is that I can show up and make an appearance and have a great day. But I can also show up and make an impact. Amen? I can show up and make an impact and help maybe make somebody else's day great. That's what it's all about. Serving together, we need one another. I want to encourage you. If growth track is not something you've ever done, 
You hear about it a lot, but you're going to keep hearing about it a lot because that's how you get off the bench and into the game. Like, God didn't make you to ride the pine, okay? He made you to get on the field. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken growth track, to take that next step. I also want to, to share, and this is on the back of your connection card, maybe you've taken growth track and we understand that seasons come and seasons go. You know, maybe there's a time where you're super involved and you're, you're serving and volunteering left and right, and then you just need some time off. We understand that. We want to tell you that we miss you. We would love to have you come back on the team and maybe come back on a different team or the same one. But if you're a member here of SEC and you've taken growth track, God's not done with you. There's so much more he wants for your life to build his kingdom. There's a place on the back of your connection card that says, I am interested in serving in. And then there's a few different departments. I just want to encourage you today to get back in the game or to get in the game. All right, now I'm going to actually start preaching. Is that okay? <laughs> Three of y'all. All right. Listen, I'm going to share with you I'm going to share with you today what it takes to serve as a team. And look, I even gave you the first letter of each of these blanks. So I'm, I'm help. I'm trying to help, you know. What good can I do today? Give you one letter of each blank. The first one is this. Letter T, trust. Trust. To serve, what it takes to serve as a team, you need trust. Trust is one of those very interesting things. It is very hard to earn and extremely easy to lose. Very hard to earn and extremely easy to lose. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, many people claim to be loyal, but it is hard to find a trustworthy person. Like, I didn't even need to read that for y'all to know that because the same principle that was true all those thousands of years ago is true for me and you today. It's hard to find someone who is trustworthy. It's common knowledge. Now, I want to share a story with you about my son, Christian. Uh, He'll be turning 12 in like a week. And, um, you know, a few years ago, we kind of moved out to the middle of nowhere, and uh, my, my family, they followed me there. They live in my, I have some family that lives in my subdivision. As a matter of fact, they're exactly seven houses away, if you take a right. And so here's what happened. My wife and I needed to go take something to them or get something from them. I forget exactly what the details were. My son doesn't, he's not an outside dog. You know what I'm saying? He is not. He wants to play his video games, design his universes in Minecraft. I mean, he's so smart, but like just hitting the ball and getting on the skateboard is just not really his deal. He likes to be in front of a screen or in front of a book, you know, something like that. That's more Christian, right? So Christian doesn't go outside. So we're like, you know what, let's let's test him. We're only going to move for like four or five minutes. Christian, stay in your room, play your games, don't burn the house down, don't go outside, and we'll be back in like less than five minutes. He goes, okay, whatever, that's fine. You know, and he just, you know, how kids do. And so we leave. Y'all, my kid, who never goes outside for any reason, had like his whole bedroom in the yard when we got back. We were gone for four and a half minutes. Every toy that he could possibly drag in the yard and not play with was in the yard. Like he had cornhole boards set up like he was about to have a barbecue. I mean, all this is out in the yard. And I'm like, are you serious, man? And he's like, well, you know, I just felt like doing some stuff. (laughs) After we got back in the house, he put it all back in the house and went back in his room. So I don't know what the deal was with any of that. But needless to say, parents, and I know you're with me on this, it was a little while before we tried that again. Okay, because trust is hard to earn, and when you earn it, it's easy to lose it. 
Luke 16, verse 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. If you can be trusted with the little things, you can be trusted with big things. You know, and sometimes this, this, sometimes this just means being consistent, right? Like you do the little things over and over and over, and eventually somebody trusts you with a big thing. Well, I want to share that the three small group leaders I had out here and we gave awards to earlier, um, they've all actually coached other leaders because they proved themselves consistent and trustworthy leading a group. I, I, I can trust them with coaching another person who leads a group while they lead their own group. You know, and that's, that's a whole nother level of responsibility. But if we can be trusted with little, we can be trusted with much. You know, following Jesus, in a sense, kind of falls along those same lines. You know, he trusts us when we come to him in faith, when we ask him to come into our lives, forgive our sins, and save us. But then he, over time, all of a sudden, we're, our, our spiritual gifts grow. The ways that we're able to benefit the kingdom of God develop and they grow and we begin being trusted with going out and telling other people the good news. We, we get trusted with going out and doing big things, maybe a missions trip, maybe a serve Saturday that you're going out and leading or something like that. What happens is when we prove ourselves trustworthy of little, we can gain so much more. If you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus... I want to encourage you, in your program, there's a prayer to become a Christ follower. It's also digital if you're watching from home. And we put the next step on the back of your connection card that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. If that's a step you need to take, don't wait. Take that step. Begin being trusted with little. Begin being trusted with little. The second thing I want you to write down is this. The letter E so we have trust, the letter E, empathy. Empathy. And this is, a, this is a hard concept. It's a hard concept. Like, how many people in here would agree that men are not the best at sharing their feelings? Amen. Amen. Every woman in the house and some of the fellas were willing to amen that. It's not something that comes natural. I, I want to share with you, though, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. Like sympathy is, let's say, okay, I'm on the stage here. Let's say I'm walking along, and now this is a metaphor, okay? But let's say that I'm walking along, and I see my friend is falling into a hole. Sympathy is saying, man, that stinks. I hope you feel better. My thoughts are with you. Listen, I'm not going to pick on anybody that says thoughts and prayers because those are powerful. But if my thoughts and my feelings are with you, you know, empathy is jumping down in the hole and being willing to feel what that person is feeling in that moment. Empathy is I love you and care about you so much that if you're hurting, I'm going to be hurting with you. If you're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with you. That's empathy. Now, that's the metaphor. If you find your friend in a hole, don't jump in. Go get a rope. Get a ladder. Help your friend out of the hole. But emotionally be willing to feel what they're feeling. Amen? We have to follow it with action. So how do we, how do we metaphorically jump in the hole with them? James 1.19 says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
Now, you know good and well, as Jesus' brother, his half-brother, his earthly half-brother, James learned that lesson at home the hard way, right? Like, I mean, growing up with Jesus, whatever you say is different than what he says, you're wrong. You got to stop and listen. Y'all, I struggle with that. Amen. Anybody else? Like, I usually think while I'm talking. Anyway, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says this, A person's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. You know, insight into somebody else's life really only comes from an investment into somebody else's life. Insight comes from me talking less, listening to you more, and asking questions. Instead of just telling you everything I'm thinking, I need to ask what you're going through. You know, that's where you get insight. That's where you show empathy. You know, it's kind of the difference between a coach and a critic. See, I remember being in Little League, right? Anybody in here ever play Little League or children's sports, right? A lot of people. Okay, so I remember being in Little League, and I was just the worst at dropping my shoulder when I would swing the bat. Like, I, that was, I was awful at that. It was like I was trying to hit pop flies and just get out every time, you know, because I was a kid and I wanted to hit it out of the park. It never happened, but I wanted that. I barely made it past the pitcher, but that's a story for another time. Here's, here's the thing, though. It's the difference between a coach and a critic is a critic stands up in the stands and yells their rebukes. A critic goes way over there to tell you what you're doing wrong. A coach will come, wrap their arms around you, show you where you're doing it wrong, and help you better swing the bat. So who's helping you swing the bat? Better question is, who are you helping swing the bat. It's the difference between a coach and a critic. Romans 12, 15 says this, because it's not just sad emotions that we need to share. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. You need to feel the good with people too. Don't just be there when they're sad. Be there at their highs. If you don't have a high right now, that's cool. Go celebrate his or her high. Go be excited that your friend just hit, you know, two years at their new job. Go be excited with your friend when it's their birthday. Tell them happy birthday. Put it on your calendar. What does that take, 12 seconds? You can send and receive a text in like, I don't even know how, how few seconds that is, but that's something you can do. That's some, a way that you can make somebody's day. And listen, if you need some good people around you that, that will be that person for you and you can be that person for them, you came to church on the right day. You watched online on the right day. There's a catalog on our website. It's also in your program, and it shows all of the different small group opportunities for you. Listen, we have something for everybody. Okay, I'm still learning what pickleball is, but if that's your deal, we got that for you. Now, I hear it gets competitive, so do with that what you will. As a matter of fact, if you've never been in a group or you're new to the church, we got a group for you that's for, designed for that as well. We have financial peace. We have marriage groups. We have age-based groups. We have everything. We do our very best to give you a place where you can plug in and practice empathy while you grow along with other people. The next thing, trust, empathy, letter A, attitude. Attitude. There are lots of types of attitude, y'all. There's the I don't need anybody attitude. There's the I need everybody attitude because I can't do it by myself. Right? There's the I'm just me and if you don't like it, you can deal with it attitude. 
Here's what I know about a bad attitude. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. You ain't going nowhere in life till you change it. Attitude. That's a big one. That's a big one. 2 Timothy 2 and 22 says this, be faithful, loving, and easy to get along with. Be Barney. Right? <laughs> That's not in my notes. I just thought, like, who's, who can nobody just hate being around? You know, not, not, you're not going to be a purple dinosaur, but what I'm saying is be friendly. Be somebody that cares about the people around you. Like, what, what, what more could you possibly want from a friend or a team member? Amen? Amen. Romans 15 and 2 says, Each of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Now, if you've been here more than a minute, you've heard Pastor Jeff ask the question, what good can I do today? That's what that passage embodies. How can I help? What good can I do today? Ephesians 4 2 says this, be patient with each other. I'm just going to read that part again for the people in the back. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? Love. Your love. Make allowances for you. Now, that doesn't mean excuse like shoddy work. You know what I mean? That's not what that means. But that means that if somebody on your serve team or somebody at work is a couple of minutes late once, ever, maybe cut them a little slack. You know, cut them just a little bit of slack because guess what? You probably have been too. See, we expect trustworthiness and dependability, like we said earlier, but things happen and you have to foster an environment where it's okay to make a mistake because that's sometimes the only way people learn. And that is an attitude of grace and mercy that we, I believe, have got to practice. So we've had trust, we've had empathy, we've had attitude. Number six, or sorry, not number six, <laughs> kind of is number six, really, if you think about it, right? The last thing I want you guys to write down for the letter M is mission. Mission. A team is not a team without a mission. Otherwise, you're just a group of people sitting around talking. You need to be talking about something important. Team is not a team without a mission. Philippians 2 and 2 be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Our vision at Stockbridge Community Church, just the vision by itself, says we exist to give people an opportunity for a better life through Christ. That's our vision. That's our why. But what's our what? Our what is accomplished through our core four. And we use this as part of our daily declarations. You guys have heard it over and over again, you know. Um, I'm a Christian who connects with God daily through prayer, grows by reading the Bible and gathering with God's people, serves in my church and community, and shares my faith and resources generously. And then we cap that off with the vision because we exist, because I exist, to give people an opportunity for a better life through Christ. See, as I started the message off by sharing the church, the church is you. We're the church. If this building, God forbid, if something happened to our building, we're still the church. We're going to be the church. The church might move, but we're going to be the church wherever we move. Now, I pray that doesn't happen, but I think you get what I'm saying. We're the church. 
We come here each week in worship to, to kind of learn a little bit. But the primary reason we come together, we worship God, we honor God, we build relationships. But I feel like one of the most beneficial things about coming to a church on a Sunday is you get to charge up. You get to charge up what's inside of you so that you can take it out there to them. Like the, the goal of a church is not just to be us for no more. Like that's not the goal. That might be how you want to do dinner, but that's not how you do church. You see, church is designed for people to walk in these doors, meet Jesus at their level. We have children back there being rocked. We have babies being rocked. We have kids upstairs right now being taught Jesus at their level. We do that in our small groups. We do that in this room, and we do it through our student ministry. We believe we need to bring people through those doors, teach them Jesus in a way that they can understand so that they can go and share the good news. If you go back and read the book of Acts, that's the way it was done in every aspect of the original church. That's who we're supposed to be. When we say share our faith, we mean go tell people the good news about Jesus. And listen, if you don't feel equipped to go out and tell people the good news about Jesus, we've created an opportunity for you to be part of that. We've created a simple way to invite a friend and, and have most, if not all, of your and their, their lunch paid for that day. We're calling it Friend Day. So you got to ask, you know, the, the kind of the wrap-up question after everything that I've shared today is, you know, is, is it really important? Like, I get these truths, but is this really important to me? Does this really matter? Hebrews 10.25 is kind of a, a passage for this whole series, and it says, Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, but let us encourage one another. See, that's that charge up. Like you might work in an environment where you feel discouraged all week. You might go to school and feel, God, God hope not. I know a lot of people who are working against this. But maybe you go to school and you feel discouraged. Maybe you go home. I, I don't know where. But when you come together with the body of Christ and every part is doing what it's supposed to be doing, you walk out of here feeling hopeful, feeling charged, feeling ready to go take on the week. You know, I, I've, I've gone to a church, and we don't have this, but I think it's a great thing to remind yourself. When you walk out the doors after church service, I, I've, I've seen it before. It was a sign that said you are now entering the mission field. You know, if this is the church house and this is the house where you worship and connect with God, when you walk out the doors, you're going into a world that doesn't naturally do that. And it's up to you to be that salt and that light that salt of the earth and the light of the world to share his message. Amen? Amen. Philippians 1, 27 says this, Live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ, standing strong with one purpose, working together as one for the faith of the good news. I want to challenge you, if you'll stand with me. I want to challenge you. Um, actually, I should have asked you to do this. Uh, if you'll grab this little blue card that was in your program, if you got one coming in. And I just want you to hold it. If you didn't get one, you can grab a program on the way out the door. It's got some in it. I, I'm not asking you to hold it up in the, in the air. Just hold it in your hands. Like we put a little cute thing on it, right? Lunch is not your problem. 
I want to encourage you to think. I'm going to pray for you. And I want to encourage you during that moment of prayer. I want, I want to encourage you, you know, who, who is it that you're thinking about giving this card to? Maybe it's a neighbor. Listen, it doesn't even have to be somebody you like. If you don't want to go to lunch with them, we'll just send them. Right? Maybe it's somebody you just want to see God do a miracle in their life. Because here's what I can tell you about following Jesus and receiving that gift of salvation is a miracle takes place. You know, I've heard people say, we want you to be the best version of yourself that you can be. But that's not what happens when you get saved. When you get saved, you don't, get, you, you don't just get to be a better you. You're a new you. A miracle takes place in the old you. The God's word says the old you has gone and the new has come. Amen? The new has come, the old has gone. It is all about what God is doing now. It is so much more important to God who we are becoming than who we once were. See, that's people's standards. But in God's economy, we don't do things on people's standards. We do things on his. Right, church? I want to encourage you as you hold that card to think of a person. Think of a family member. Maybe you're thinking of your son or your daughter, your neighbor, your boss, your teacher your employee, whoever that may be. Let's pray. Father, I do believe that when people come to you, a miracle takes place. I believe they become something completely new. And your word says that's true. God, we know so many people out there in the world who are hurting. We, need, we know so many people who are completely dead in their sin and need to be breathed life back into. We're asking for you to be with us, to give us the courage to pass out those cards, to bring people into your house, Lord. We want the church to go out in the community and bring people back to the church house because I believe that this house is one of miracles. I believe, God, that you command life to come forth from dry bones. And I'm asking you to speak life into the people that we love and the people that we care about and the people that we know can't go much, they can't go much further without you, Jesus. We're asking you to speak to them, to touch them, to begin pulling them towards yourself, Lord, so that they can't even resist when we go to pass them that card. I ask you to anoint each and every member of this church for your work. In Jesus' name, amen. 